This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, President of Coaching at All-Star Dental Academy. And I'm very excited for our guests today. That's right, plural. Two guests at the same time. We're talking to the marketing gurus on how to make marketing in dentistry pain-free. Hence their name, Pain-Free Dental Marketing. So Eric Hubbard and Andre Santos are the co-founders of Pain-Free Dental Marketing. Eric developed his marketing chops with Fortune 300 companies, including Procter & Gamble. Andre began his career as a software engineer and their paths crossed at a project at GameStop. Hopefully before you guys bought, you bought low and sold high. Hopefully we'll talk about that later too. (laughs) At Pain-Free, Eric and Andre have provided marketing services to hundreds of dental practices, applying the same methodologies they use for large corporations to help dentists grow their practices, which is why we're here. We're always talking about growth. So welcome, Eric and Andre. I know I've been dying to get you guys on the podcast. I want to be talking about this topic, marketing and making it pain-free for dentists. And I can't wait to get your insights on how to do just that. So welcome, guys. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited. Uh, We've been excited to do this since meeting you down in Florida. It's been great. Yeah, yeah. I love your viewpoint on things, the pain-free part. It's just such a, it just works for dentistry, you know, pain-free, you know. I, I love the, the place you come from, and, and I don't want to let the cat out of the bag here. I know some of the answers to these questions, but I want to get into it. So we know who you are. We get an idea of what you do. What makes you different? Why, why is pain-free different than some marketing SEO company? I, I mean, you just said it in the word SEO. Uh, you know, we joke that if there's a snake oil sold in dental marketing, it's SEO. And I think to get into why it's pain-free, you have to get in what's painful about it. And really, you know, most of the practices that we go in, in fact, the company was sort of founded in by, you know, a man, a doctor named John Barroso in my hometown. And he had the typical problem. I mean, insurance was paying, you know, you know, quarters on the dollar hmm. uh, or less. Uh, corporate industry had come in. He had, I think at the time, six, different marketing program of vendors that he was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you have that many, everyone's taking credit for the wins and everyone's trying to shed the losses. Uh, So if you have someone doing SEO and someone else hosting the website, uh, someone else doing some paid media, maybe some video work, they're not really working in a cohesive unit without someone at the office being a professional marketer. Yeah. Um, And and that's just painful. I mean, there's, you can't hold someone accountable unless you understand, you know, their role and and what they hope to accomplish. And you have to make sure their interests are aligned with your interests. So really when the company was founded, we said, you know, gosh, we're just going to go the other way. Um, We're not going to do contracts uh, because, you know, you don't, you don't guarantee anyone's salary. Um, So we're going to be an employee and we're going to put a budget together that the practice can work with, and we're going to manage to that budget. So, and, and that's really it. And, and because the truth of the matter is like it, it, telling a company you need SEO is a little bit like someone sitting down in your chair and saying, I need a crown. Well, how do you know you need a crown? Mm. Um, the truth of the matter is in, in June, July and August, you need to be growing pretty healthy and we should be able to be turned down some paid media and put that money into content generation and photo and video editing and things like that, where 
you know, through September and October, maybe that's when you do need more paid media. And, you know, and then November, December, as you ramp up for the end of your benefits, maybe that's when we uh, reallocate the budget. So really is we just wanted to be good partners and, and, you know, be proud of the work we do. But I think to be pain-free, you have to kind of come from a place of where it was painful hmm. and the, a lot of it's good, there. Eric. Yeah. yeah, I like and, that. And I'll add to that saying, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, the dentist listening and, and the team, they want to grow the practice, just like you mentioned earlier. You know, they don't really care if it came through SEO or it came through paid ads or it came through some, you know, postcards or whatever. And so we structured the company where our incentive is also to focus on the result, which is production and new patients. And we work with our practice to determine on an individual practice basis what their marketing should look like. And you know, we're, we're not selling a, a menu of options. We're just learning about the practices and putting custom plans that work for them and driving the results that they're looking for. That's good, Andre. Yeah, it's, it's customized to that practice based upon their budget. So what should the dental office budget be? Really based on their... So an off the cuff, easy answer is, you know, three to 5%. Okay. Now there, you know, if you're happy and you just want to maintain and, you know, keep the wheels on the bus, sure. You know, two, two and a half, but, mm. but you're not going to grow, especially if you're in a competitive area. Uh, if you've got big ambitions, you're opening a new op, you bought a cone beam, you want to do new technologies, you're, you know, you, you bought a laser and you're looking to get into different kinds of treatments or you, you've, uh, uh, brought in an associate, I, I would say you need to be higher on the four point, you know, four to 5% range for a while. Um, it really does ebb and flow with the needs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and the competition in there. And, and, and that should be your all inclusive budget. You know, if yeah, you're doing sponsorships to the T-ball team, if you're doing paid ads, if you're doing postcards, you know, because as a company, you know, we are small business owners too. We understand cash flow. We understand running a profitable business. And so we think that the marketing budget at that level helps the practice grow while also being sensitive that, you know, we have a real PL to worry about. That's yeah, right. And, and, and Andre's right. I mean, that should be the line in the PL of marketing. Uh, you know, it should not be higher. It shouldn't be, you know, there's some vendors and then there's more. It should be, that should be the line. Yeah. Uh, we, we think that's a good, healthy line. I, I yeah. I, okay. So first of all, I always say, okay, three to 5%. I say the same number. And then I look at the, <laughs> I look at the budget and they're spending like 1% on marketing and they're wondering why they're not growing, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and it used to be SEO or, you know, um, website management was like $89 a month. I remember those days mm-hmm. now. I mean, these companies want anywhere from 800 to $1,500 a month to manage the website and do SEO and pay-per-click and all these things. And what I'll see is, and I would love to get your feedback on this. I see this spike. They, they get the sale of our client. The client's now paying them $1,000 a month. And I'll see the spike of new patients. We'll start getting like, say it's website. We'll get like six, five, seven a month, each month as we're tracking it. All of a sudden it's down to one, it's down to zero, then it's up to two, then it's down to one. I'm going, what's happening? And I have to encourage my client to say, I need you to go meet with them monthly and create some accountability. So I already know the answer to this question because I love what you guys do. How do you create accountability to the results you guys provide? Yeah, you do have to manage uh, 
marketing companies, we're, uh, us yeah. included, to be funny. Yeah. Um, I, I think that you have to, we built accountability in because, I, and so we meet with our offices uh, once a month at a minimum. Mm. Uh, in fact, we meet every week for the first 90 days. Okay. And, and part of that is we're just trying to build a relationship around, you know, we believe in this, this term of, you know, doing what you say and saying what you do. Mm. So, all right, Eric, I, I told you last week I was going to work on these three or four things. Um, here's an update on them next week. This is what the team's going to do. Uh, so the first, you know, I would say 90 days, we really engaged a very tactical weekly meeting. Now, that's not completely altruistic. Obviously, through there, I'm building trust. So then I can I can bridge to a monthly meeting with more yeah w- with more confidence. And also, yeah. in, we need to get access to things so we can move fast, right? right? If I, if I can't get access to the website, I can't get access access to Google listing, and months go by, you're going to be frustrated because mm-hmm. you're going to feel right. like marketing isn't working. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So then, do, do, do you agree that? When, then when I have my clients start meeting with that SEO company, all of a sudden the numbers go back up. It is Why is that happening? I'm just curious. You guys are on the inside. Why is it that great results? Oh, we got the sale. They get some results. They kind of disappeared on us. We're not, we're not doing something. And all of a sudden I tell them, hey, get on the phone with your marketing company and the results go back up. What's happening there? I'm curious. I have no idea. Exactly what you think it is. Nothing, <laughs> nothing's happening. And then you're calling me and asking me where I'm at, and I'm doing not me, but I'm, yeah, yeah, uh, as a marketing company, yeah, as a marketing company, I'm being called out, and then I'm doing a flurry of activity to make the meeting go smoother because now I have this face-to-face meeting or this this virtual meeting where I'm held accountable. Yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah. And then um, they start doing more things behind the scenes and all of a sudden the results go back sure. up. And I tell my clients, sure. don't stop meeting with that company, meet with them every month, but you guys already do that. Yeah. And, you know, very often too, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Mm-hmm. The, if agencies that have contracts that know they don't, you know, you're locked in for another year. Yes. I'm going to worry about the people who I need to gain their business again yep. know, right now. So good. So good, Andre. You're exactly right. And so that's what I love about you guys. When we were talking about, I don't know if you guys saw my face, but you guys were telling me, I was going, ah, I like it. Okay. I like it. I like this. Like this, Cause that's what I'm trying to create for my clients. Anyway, I'm saying you've got to have a relationship with your marketing company. You can't just have a financial relationship with them because mm-hmm. once you're, I tell them all the time, imagine I'm your coach and you're just sending me money every month. And we don't schedule meetings. I'll be like, sweet. They must be good. Yeah. Send me your tracker. I'll take a look at it. <laughs> but I'm not looking, I mean, you know, I got to have the accountability. I have the meeting to give you some results. You're going to want to meet with me. You're sending them money. Why don't you want to meet with them? And you guys are already up front doing that. I love that. It's true. Uh, I, I, I think that, you know, contracts bring out the worst, right? It, because mm-hmm. I, I will tell you as, as, as a human being, when I sign a contract and, and, you know, we really try to avoid them both on our side and with clients. Um, so, so, you know, I'm excited for the first 90 days and then I fall into a normal and then, oh my gosh, I, I need to re-up the contract. So I'm really excited the last 90 days too. <laughs> but, but in the middle, I, I do think there's a lack of accountability. And that's where I think that, you know, sort of forcing this monthly strategic meeting to where yeah. we, and we, and we're not just talking marketing metrics. Like I want to know how many new patients you did, the source of those new patients, you know, what your production was. I, I want to talk about how the phones were answered, how many phone calls were missed, how many phone calls were answered in voicemail. I, I want to talk about the comprehensive uh, uh, practice because 
marketing is everything. And, and that's, you know, from the number of reviews generated to the number of phone calls that were missed to the, yeah. you know, just, just all the metrics that go into what make a successful practice. We want to talk about those monthly because I'm also giving the practice insight into what's happening outside of, of, you know, comments that are occurring and video views, you know, because we can take all the video, you know, we do a photo and video shoot everywhere we, we work. I can tell you that, okay, this, this video of the doctor talking about uh, how they present treatment and what it means to them to connect with patients has a 40% view rate. So 40% of the people that watch it, watch it greater than 30 seconds or to the end. So, so now I need to produce more videos like that. And it, I, I think that give and take, it's not just, you know, holding someone accountable. I, I think that, I think it's infectious, infectious when we start talking about these ideas and you turn around and take them to your team and we turn around and do more work. So, Love yeah. it. and I'll say too, you know, you, you opened the, the conversation today of asking us a question about what makes us unique. And I think that there's something that we did early on in our, in our journey that I think has made an impact bigger than what we anticipated. And that is for the majority of our clients, Eric, we set up our engagement, even though it's month to month, we set up our engagement where the marketing budget is a percentage of their collections, just like we talked about. And that, that client will give us that budget to manage. And we, you know, we work with them to decide on how we're going to spend the budget. And we keep, you know, I'll be fair, we keep a percentage of the budget as our pay. To do the right? work. Yeah. Now, here's, here's the magic. We have skin in the game in growing their practice mm. because the more production they do, the more collection mm. they do, that number becomes bigger. And so does our take home. So that is the reason why we are invested in doing everything we can to help the practice. And sometimes that's not marketing. Sometimes it's getting the coach. You know, mm. there's been examples of clients for us. And, you know, and I think they actually just signed up with you. I don't know if I can say the name, yeah. but, yeah. you know, yeah. where I told them, look, we've done this for six months now. We're spending four grand a month. It's not working. You're not answering the phone correctly. Mm. The people sound like bored and, and unhappy to be there. Like no amount of marketing is going to overcome that. Let's, let's turn down the budget. Let's get somebody here to help you because yeah. no amount of, mar- amount of marketing is going to overcome that. You could throw all kinds of money at it. Exactly. Right? And like, but for us, I know that if we can grow that practice, even though it's not just spending more marketing dollars, it's going to benefit all of us in the end. So when, when? We, yeah, yeah. I think that has really changed the way we operate because we really are committed to the success of the practice. So, so basically you're the marketing director that they've hired in their practice for their practice. And as the practice grows, you win, they win. So you want to make sure it's effective marketing. It's not just throwing money at us. You're going to make sure it's purposeful. You probably even say, no, don't do that. That's a bad idea for you. Like you even probably are saying, making suggestions on no, 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 don't do that. Yeah, we get that a lot. Uh, I mean, we'll get, you know, questions about billboards, questions about postcards. Um, you know, 2022, I, I don't know how effective either are. Um, you know, I'm probably not watching the billboard. I'm probably checking my text messages. Uh, uh, just joking. I don't, I don't think we should text and drive. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean, we get a lot of questions about T-ball teams and billboards and, and postcards. And, you know, our answer is, look, it, this is your budget. I, and you know, Andre talked about the percent. We deploy 85% of the budget to marketing. We do keep 15% and we're open about that. I mean, mm-hmm. anyone who signs up knows. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we feel that's fair. Um, it's your budget. I'll, I'll deploy it. Now I'm going to tell you that across, you know, 300 offices and, you know, a, a, 
you know, $10 million in media spend, I've never seen a billboard work. But if you're just dead set on doing it, I, I mean, I, I can't stop you. Mm. Um, but but really, that's just that's just part of the negotiation of helping them run this department of marketing. Mm-hmm. But in that scenario where they really do want to do a billboard, it's coming out of that same budget. Like we're not yeah. going back to our clients and asking for additional budget because we we care about that PL. Yeah. Well, and, and I think when we when we start talking about it though, and I say, look, you know, on average, it costs us about 30 to 35 dollars to generate a phone call. And, and let's just say you convert one in four or one in three, because some some just aren't, I mean, you know, you can have some tire kickers and things like that. That puts your cost per acquisition of a patient in the hundred dollar range. So, so if you want to invest this money in a billboard, I, I'm fine with that, but let's not get, let, let's all stay accountable to each other when your cost per acquisition starts to go up. Because that to me is, is one of my important metrics that I, I'm looking at. So let's do this. So coaching tips for those listening, because I want them, I want to create value through this podcast. I want them to hear good advice, even if they're not my client, even if they're not your client, they're getting good advice here from people they can trust. So, so let's get into some coaching tips for them. Number one, you talked about cost per acquisition. Historically, I've looked at numbers just from that source. Okay, you're spending that much on SEO. You got that many patients. There's your cost. Are you looking at the whole thing, all of the marketing budget? Or are you looking at individual breakdowns? So I tend to look at the total money spent on marketing divided by the number of patients. Okay. Now, that, that is a KPI. It, it is not a end-all, be-all number. I, I would want to dig in and see how much allocation was going to pay media versus SEO. Um. The, the problem that I have in looking very rigidly at the numbers is I, 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 I tend it gets, it, I think it can oftentimes be misleading because you get into, it, it, it gets incredibly complex. You get into this thing called multi-channel attribution. And it, it has to do with when you're evaluating a product or service, you probably did not have a singular touch point in its sure. in the life cycle. Yeah, the rule of fifteen so, times, right? In yeah. Did you see? Did you watch a video of, of one of our offices, and then you googled them and saw good reviews, and yeah. then you landed on the website and sure. saw a really nice sure. picture of the dentist, and then you called, but but you knew that Andre went there, so you mentioned Andre on the phone. How would you yeah. allocate sure. that? So you say so, you say. Uh, when you talk about total number of patients, you're including personal referrals with, with asking yes. for referrals and that, and, and then you're breaking that down to the KPI. What do you want the number to be per acquisition? What is the total? Co- like, don't spend more than this per patient to get them in the doors. I, I think if you're spending more than $120 per patient, you really need to evaluate some marketing. Okay. okay. Now, uh, there's obviously exceptions. I think pediatric finish needs to be smaller, lower than that. Yep. I think if you're yeah. higher end, you try to do a lot of implants, for example, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of cosmetics. I think that's different. But I think for the general, you know, PPO, you know, North, you know, middle sure. America sort of dentist. I yeah. Think that's, that's I've got name. a I've got a client in this, I'll just say in the South, she does phenomenal dentistry. She's a phenomenal clinician. She's got an exquisite practice. And I mean, they're doing 40, 45,000, 50000 dollars cases on patients, you know, one a month, you know, maybe maybe a 20,000, you know, that sort of thing, small practice, but she does all the, I mean, she does all the dentistry and they spend, they spend 8,000 a month on a radio ad. And I track how many patients they get from it. And they might get two patients a month from it, but every single time one of those patients comes in, 
they are turned into a $40,000 case. And so it's like, yeah, that's too much to spend, but look what we're getting out of it. And, and so there is this, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't have regular Joe do that radio advertisement ad somewhere else in the city or whatever. She has the actual radio disc jockey who she redid his, yep. his mouth, talk about it. And it works beautifully, but she's paying a fortune for it. And people that aren't doing it would go, oh, I'm not spending $8,000 on that. Well, then you're never going to get the $45,000 case from that source, right? It's got to be somewhere else. Well, you have outliers, right? Yeah, I mean, there are it's an exception. Who, <clears throat> yeah, there are people who succeed despite themselves. And there are people who just, <laughs> everything that touches gold. And, and then, yeah. I've never figured it out. I mean, you know, uh, luckily, you know, Andre is one of those people that everything is touches gold. But, I'm, I, you know. I'm not that lucky. We're just good hanging on to coattails. What you're saying? I'm just, I'm, okay. Yeah, All I'm right. just riding on these coattails through through life. But uh, no, I so mean, there's would, always exceptions. Yeah. You know? what, what would you say to those listening? What's a simple marketing tip right now? You know, okay, don't spend more than $120 to get a patient in. What's one thing that you're like, okay, do this. It's gonna it's gonna change your practice. All right, I'll take a run out of two things and. Some of these are going to sound like he's obvious. No, I want to give value. He said he wanted to give value. <laughs> well, there's two of you. There's two of you. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, fine, fine. Uh, I'll say get Google reviews. Okay. That's if I had to go to my head, I had to pick one. That's where I'm going. All right, get Google reviews because how does that help me? It helps you because people want, you know, they want to unless they have a personal referral, mm -hmm. they want to know that other people who are like them have seen you and, and like going there. Yeah. No one wants to go be the first patient anywhere. They want yeah. to see that this practice is popular and they want to look at the reviews. And so it's going to help you get trust in the community, right? So when someone is shopping for a dentist nearby and they see that everyone else has got 20, 30 reviews and you have 300, that's where I'm starting my search. I actually told this story a couple of times at the, at the event in Florida, Think about when you shop on Amazon and you search for a coffee mug and there's one coffee mug that's got five stars, but 20 reviews. And another one has got 4.8 and it's got 12,000 reviews. Which one are you clicking on first? Mm -hmm. You're clicking on the 12,000. Yeah. Yeah. And so how we get, you know, organic patients. And it's also going to help your practice show up higher on Google because it's a signal to Google that the customers that are coming there are leaving there satisfied and they're having a great experience. And so Google's number one job is to get, give each of us the best search result possible so that we can continue to use Google and the advertisers can continue to use Google. So their motivation is serving the best dentists and having reviews is the way to show that. Does it help SEO to have more Google reviews? It does. Those, yep. it, you know, it helps your local SEO. Yep. I don't want to get too on the, on the map, but yeah. On the map. Yep. Yeah. So all those listening, <laughs> leave a review for the podcast. Google search All-Star Dental Academy and leave us a review. I just looked up our reviews. We have 67 five-star reviews. I want more than that. <laughs> I've got 67 yeah. clients. There's got to be more of you out there we listening do that do this. So let's go. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Eric, yeah. what about your, your coaching tip of the day? He took yours, right? He took, he stole yours. No, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm deciding how, how granular I want to be. Okay. Um, I think for me, if you were going to do one thing in marketing. Um, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say I would absolutely have photos or videos of the office and people in the office 
and I would just make sure my Google My Business was updated, and I'd make sure they were on the homepage of my website. I, I would have no stock photography on my homepage. Nice, because you you go to websites, you look at them, evaluate them, you do an image search on that website. It's the same image everywhere you go. Like I don't know every actually, every day. Yeah, I, I was going to go the other way. I, <laughs> when you land on it, I want to be able to I want to be able to see and connect with sure. people that of the office. That's right. right. That's right. And everyone else is using stock imagery. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, you're standing out. Um, if you can get video of just your approach to dentistry, what you tell someone who hasn't yeah. seen in a while, what I would tell someone who has, you know, fear about, about coming into the dentist, uh, any video like that. And, and it doesn't have to be really high production. People get caught up in how high production, like go to a quiet room and, and use an iPhone and that would be better than stock photography that everyone else is doing. Yeah. I met a fairly new client a few months in and, you know, I saw images on his website, but then when I saw him, I'm like, well, that's, that doesn't match up. And I was like, yeah, I mean, his, he was like, I was like talking to Barry white. I loved just the way he carried himself. I said, doctor, you have got to record yourself and get on your website so people see you. Right now, they're looking at a billboard for a restaurant wondering what type of food you cook and they can't really mm -hmm. get in and see. They can't see other people in there. They can't see inside. It looks like a brick building right now. You know, let them in. So they go, oh my gosh, I love the way this guy carries himself. And so I won't say his name, but he would love it if I would. But I don't want to say his name. I don't want to risk it, but he's in uh, North Carolina. And he's an amazing guy and his voice, you just, you just close your eyes and listen to him all day long. So like, you've got to get out there. You got to promote yourself. Mm -hmm. So he's, he, but here's what happens with dentists. They're, they're on the disc profile. They're C's, they're analytical, they're, they're analysis paralysis and the video is not perfect. So, and he's doing it on his phone. He did it this way to me. I was like, no, you got to turn it sideways. I'm, I just want to get him to do something. So how do you recommend people do video in their practice do photos? Yeah. You want to take it? Yeah, I think, you know, like Eric was saying, every dentist we work with at the beginning of the engagement, they don't want to do it either. But then I tell them, guess what? The way you're feeling right now is the same way that every one of your peers feels. So when you do it, you really do stand out because your competitors aren't doing it, right? So when we get them in the right mindset, um, the other thing is just have a conversation. You know, even if you're not feeling comfortable doing it on your own selfie style, if you will, have an assistant or have someone else ask a few questions and talk to them. Yeah. Uh, it's the, the whole thing about it is making it authentic, making yeah. sure that your personality comes through. Yeah. Now, sometimes we have practices that aren't ready to do a full on photo video shoot. Well, maybe they have a family photographer that they've used for portraits or whatever, like ask them to come over to the practice and just get some headshots and get some pictures of the office. I mean, it's still better than doing nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and don't overthink it. I mean, I always go to the website and I, and I look for a couple of things. One, who am I going to meet? Do they look scary? Nope. <laughs> I'm going right to meet the team. But like you said, why not have that be on the homepage, right? Right there. The second thing I'm looking at is, do you know how to do dentistry? And I go look at their before and afters. And I'm looking to see, you know, are there smiles on there? Are there real patients who have before and afters? I'm looking to see, does this person really know what they're doing? Do I like them? And do I have confidence in them? Is that fair? Yeah, so, that's, that's fair. Uh, I mean, that's what... You know, there money and anxiety are still two primary reasons that people go to the dentist. Don't go to the dentist. Uh, I think overcoming them by showing them what they're getting into and, and who they're going to meet is is 
two big barriers that get knocked down in the anxiety front. So I, I think that those are, you know, we've seen it time and time again, just the, even a low production quality video of the dentist talking outperforms the best, uh, you know, generic stock ad photo, stock yeah. photo imagery. It's like a billboard, like ad. you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just time and time again. Yeah. Um, well, let me, let me throw my two cents in and you tell me if I'm wrong about this. Okay. So more dentistry per visit. That's kind of my thing. I'm like, you, when they're there, you've got to do as much. So case mm-hmm. acceptance, get as much done as possible. And so I tell them there's a big four that I want you to be able to market. You might not be able to do all four of these, but when you scroll down the homepage, I want to see four boxes. Okay. I want to see some type of Invisalign because that's, that's a big case. I want to see sedation type dentistry that you do. So deal with high fear patients could do more dentistry. I want to see maybe holistic. That's where I lose some people sometimes. Right. And then is there a fourth uh, implant implant dentistry is the other one. And sometimes dentists don't do surgeries, but is there something that you see like, okay, that whole four boxes across the middle of the website seems to be a, a, a theme lately. Is there something that you think should go in there? Or am I wrong? I'm okay. No, here. I, I- I like it. I think in terms of services that you're mm-hmm. highlighting, yeah, I think this is, I think those are good services. But mm-hmm. I think the direction that we've gone lately is changing the paradigm and the, instead of asking the patients they're visiting your site, what do they want? Mm-hmm. Meaning Invisalign. Or yeah. it's, you're assuming that they know what kind of dentistry they need. Mm-hmm. What we'd like to do lately is actually shift it to where pretend you're a patient what kinds of patients are there? What would they be looking for? So box mm-hmm. one is, um, I want to improve my smile. Yeah. And then that can lead to the cosmetics and whatnot, right? It's going to go, uh, go branch off as they right, click like, through. I mean, I'm in pain, you mm-hmm. know, or um, I just need a regular routine checkup. Got and it. So you talk, you're changing instead of being service to being intention-based. Got it. That's or, awesome. You know, I know that I want to come here. I'm ready to book an appointment. I can be another box. Love it. Love it. Oh, so good. Eric. Eric, is it is it rude to disagree with you on your no, podcast? Absolutely not. No, okay. tell me. I want this is then what I, I want to hear. I would like to disagree with you. Good. Okay. I I think that oftentimes in the industry, we talk in nomenclature of Solera lasers and atero scanners and cone beams as if they're commonplace. Yeah, sure. I, and while Invisalign is certainly a household name, I, I think that one of the things that we tell our dentists, and I think is really important, is I cannot sell Invisalign. I, I, I just I, I can spend millions of dollars across all these ads and not sell Invisalign. I can, however, sell a dentist who does Invisalign. Mm. And, and, and the dentist is our product. Like it, it is wildly hard and expensive to sell treatment because your hat, the, the, the journey that a patient has to take to understand that's the treatment they need is more complex. Like, like yeah. you've already gone and got some opinions, you've already got some evaluation, and now you're sort of evaluating like cost and, you know, demonstration of excellence, if you will. Most patients don't know the difference between a good dentist and a bad dentist from a clinical standpoint. And they certainly don't know if they need a crown or veneer or implants or bridges and those things. So they're really putting their trust in the provider to guide them down the right treatment path. So I do like those as, as feature things we offer, but I really want to be connected with that dentist. And that's one of the problems we have is acceptance of treatment. I think that 
the, a dentist needs to slow down, explain treatment, spend time and, and go on this emotional journey with the, with the client or with the patients. And I think that's how you get to Invisalign. Yeah. I, I think, you know, but on the front end, for Invisalign. Yeah. yeah. On, but on the front end, I like it as yeah. solicited services, but I would still take that emotional connection with the providers. Yeah. Because I think that bridges to higher end treatment for me, for, for sort of my theory. I get it. In fact, that's what we teach with case acceptance when they're in the chair. We say, do the emotional exam first, find out what their why is, connect with them, mm -hmm. then get them to understand the diagnosis in simple terms, then do the case presentation formula. You don't walk in and go, wow, your teeth are crooked. You need Invisalign. That's just not how it works. So you're taking the, the website approach to that and saying, hey, you're going you're gonna to buy into us. We're going to connect with you. What are you looking for? What's important to you? And then Right, and maybe like almost like a phone tree, and then you're moving through and that's figuring right, it out. That's right. Okay. And I'll say for the listeners, you know, if you're in the process of building the website right now, ask a relative who doesn't know at all anything about what happens in the dental office and ask them, when you go to the dentist, what are the things that you look for generally? Like, what, mm -hmm. what would you want to do when you get there? And you're going to see that the answer is some version of, oh, nothing. I just need a regular cleaning. Or, you know, I want to make my smile a little better. I don't really know exactly how, but I just know that I want to have a better smile, right? So, or I, I actually am going because I have a pain. I'm having pain. I'm, I'm having some sensitivity. I'm having some sort of issue, right? So if you think that that's the average person and what they know when they're going to the dentist, that can be the, the path that you, that you guide them through, yeah. you know, as opposed to giving them a list of all the services you offer. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be a, a waitress or menu taker. You want to be a relational person. I sell it. Right. You're, you're treating your patients like you're, in the, in the tooth industry. And I need you to realize you're in the relationship business and you guys That's are just, right. you're just making that the same on the websites, the marketing side. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Well, listen, these guys are here for you. If you've been listening to this, anything you guys want to add to this before we wrap up, I feel like we covered a lot of ground today. We did cover a lot of ground. Thanks for having us. I, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys for joining me for those that are listening, pain-free dental marketing's out there for you. Uh, I would say if you have questions about what we do or need to connect with them, you can always email Heather at allstardentalacademy.com. And I just really thank you, uh, all of the listeners for investing in yourself, for looking for ways to grow. And I appreciate your time. So until next time, go out there and be an all-star. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.